Hi, hello and welcome everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Every Day is a New Day show. My name is Kim O'Neill and I'm so happy to be here with you today. Today we are bringing back Cheryl Jennings and we're going to be talking about five tips to help special needs parents, but I've already been pre-informed that it's going to be a lot of tips. So get ready because Cheryl has so much that she that she provides her audience. She just is has so much information. I love it, love it, love it. Relevant to special needs parents and and just all parents in general, I believe. With that said, before we get into the show further, let's take a moment to be present in our energy. Take a deep breath and shake off yesterday. Shake off whatever may be weighing you down clouding up your mind, your headspace, your energy, your emotional space, whatever it may be, all that energetic clutter, whatever comes up for you as I say that, <sighs> literally moving your body, taking a moment to say, oh, I'm going to shift into a new thought, has the ability to bring you more into the present moment, more into your power, and what a gift that is for yourself and the world around you. So, okay, I'm going to go ahead and share a quote that I absolutely love and speak to speaks to today's topic as well. In the end, I am the only one who can give my children a happy mother who loves life. And that is from Janine Wolsey Badsgard. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. In the end, I am the only one who can give my children a happy mother who loves life. Oh, I hear so much about self-care, self-love, about taking care of yourself so you can better take care of those around you in that. I love that, love that, love that. And now I'm going to go ahead and I am going to go ahead and read a little bit about Cheryl in case you were joining me for the first time and getting to meet Cheryl for the very first time. Cheryl Jennings is the mother of a special needs son and has become known as the best friend to parents of other special needs children. She is an international speaker, best-selling author, and has taught adult education classes in Texas for parents and teachers of special needs children. Her video titled Why Communication Breaks Down in Families with Special Needs has been featured in two universities and on television. Cheryl has gone on to be featured on and over 133 podcasts and various platforms where she continues to be a valued resource for her expertise in the topic of parenting a special needs child. And today we're going to talk so much more about this, sharing five tips and a billion tips and all of that. Hello, Cheryl. Hello. Hello, Kim. I'm so excited to be here with you. This is fun. <laughs> I know it is fun. It's, uh, it's just, it's, and I, I love, I love that you bring also fun to this topic because I know that this can be a heavy topic for a lot of people. And, and so I just want to acknowledge that part. That's yeah, I really, I love that. I love that. So Cheryl, we're going to get right into this. And um, because for, for those who, who didn't see this before, we talked a whole bunch about, about parenting a special needs child just about a month ago. And so if you'd like to hear more from Cheryl and more on this topic, definitely look for that on the YouTube playlist on all the podcast platforms, definitely check that out. And then we love you to be here as well. Um, but Cheryl, let's talk. Start off by talking a little bit more about. I know your son has cerebral palsy, and 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 share a little bit more about cerebral palsy and what you want people to know about that. Okay. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that my son has severe cerebral palsy, and when they diagnosed him, they said he was spastic, quadriplegic, which means all four of his limbs are involved. He also had some mental challenges. And at the time they diagnosed him with epileptic seizures, but 
that was after 14 months of of baby crying (laughs) and not being able to hold his head up. And I was very ill when he was only five months old, almost passed away then. And then, you know, we went through a lot of challenges before we got to the point that my husband said, okay, he took the baby to the doctor and said, either you find out what's wrong with him or you put Cheryl in a mental place because she can't deal with this anymore. You know, it was a very difficult thing. So I don't think a lot of people realize how wonderful kids can be that are challenging, but then how much care they do take. So I thought I'd start with just asking a few questions here. Did you know know that cerebral palsy is a diverse condition? I mean, it's not just one thing, but it can be. You can see sometimes there are people that have, you know, limited uh, ability in their gait. You know, they walk a little bit different. So you notice something's not right or their hands or the way they hold their head to talk or something. There can be just a few things in their muscle tone, or it can be all of their limbs that are involved. But more than that, it can even be uh, one person can experience different things over their lifetime. And did you know that it impacts more than one movement? It's primarily, uh, it, it can be physical, but it can be communication, which is, you know, was involved in our son. It took three years to learn to drink from a straw. Okay. (laughs) Most babies, first time they'll figure it out. It can also be the cognition, which we wondered, you know, does he even know who we are for the longest time? It could also be behavior. And by that, I mean, there were movements even when he was young that we didn't know what was going on and he would look funny. We'd go to the doctor and we'd go, his eyes look funny and they go, no, Miss Jennings, you're just a new mother. You don't understand. His eyes don't look funny now. You know, no matter what we described, it would not be there. Well, we now know that that was when he was having seizures, but they weren't grandma seizures. So we didn't recognize wow. what the seizure was. And they didn't either from our description. It can also involve their hearing. It can involve vision. It can involve a lot of health issues. And our sons had a lot of health issues that have gotten a little bit more prevalent through the years where, you know, he's required uh, several surgeries for intestinal problems. And then um, I told you before, he had a major, major surgeries just five years ago. And they had to put a feeding tube in and all of a sudden he can't swallow anything anymore because it goes into his lungs instead of where it's supposed to go. So that was like 10 weeks of hospitalization. And we went for what we thought was an overnight surgery. But anyway, um, the other thing is, did you know that early intervention is just critical to a child with cerebral palsy, being able to get the kind of help that they need? Because right away, they realize now that they need most of the time they'll need speech therapy, occupational therapy, and that's the fine motor skills, learning to use their hand, brush their teeth, write, hold a fork or whatever it is. And then they're also going to need physical therapy, which is going to be the larger movements, the legs, the arms, the back, helping them learn to sit up or it being in a standing table and then learning to take a step or two if, if possible. And we never know exactly how that's going to go. But The intervention, I remember when he was only 
seven months old, we had the best neurosurgeon in Nashville, Tennessee, who told us, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. And even if there was, there's nothing you can do until he's school age. And I thought, that's not right. I know that just from being around children. So, wow. you know, there's been a whole lot of things that are not, that haven't been found or addressed. But this is important because you need to identify, are there other health issues uh, that have to be taken care of? Is there any problem with feeding, with their swallowing, with hearing that's going to impact them in the way that they develop? But did you know that cerebral palsy is the most common motor disability in childhood? I didn't realize that that was, but then I got to thinking about it. And I thought, you know, that's right. I guess it would be one out of 323 children will have cerebral palsy. And it can vary by race and ethnicity, which, you know, is something that I didn't realize either. But most of the people that have cerebral palsy, it's going to be because of something happening during the development of the baby, but more likely occurring at birth. And we know our son was in the birth canal too long, and then they'd given me ether. So he was what they call a depressed baby. He didn't huh. breathe right at birth, so he didn't get enough oxygen. And we didn't know that for another year. They never told us that. But then, you know, there's that brain damage that can occur shortly after birth, which we're sure happened too, because they didn't prevent putting him into an incubator right away, prevent in any more brain damage that happened with by the time he turned blue and they said, oh, wait a minute, this kid's blue. We'll put him in an incubator now. You know, there's so many things that that I hope people have learned, but I'm sure they haven't learned it all yet. <laughs> We're still learning a lot of these things. But then the severity of what happens to them varies a whole lot because some people can have just very little mental damage. And I know there are people who are so limited in their ability to use their hands or something, but they've been able to write books and you talk to them and you'll think, I don't understand anything they're saying. How can they be smart like that? Right. And then, you know, the advances in, in the treatment, some of it has improved, but a lot of it is still not known and they're still trying to find ways to help the families. But anyway, those are some of the things that, that we know that now, a lot of families are not even aware of what services are available. In fact, only 58% can even realize that there are of agencies, services, uh, resources, or anything available to them. Only 58% even know that. Okay. So <laughs> lots of thoughts are coming up, but I'll first ask you, why don't more people know about all these kinds of things? That is such a big mystery. And I think that's one of the things that's got me to this point where education is one of my big things. I want to educate families, but I want to educate other people about what happens in those families. I want them to understand, you know, you may be an onlooker or you may be a relative, but there is something that you can do. So I wanted to give you a little bit more information about that. And a lot of the reasons why they're, they don't know is because there's a lack of information right away. They may be in the hospital. The doctor comes in and he says, well, I don't see any hope for your child. He's got cerebral palsy. He's not going to ever amount to anything. So 
I mean, we it went further with us, and I've heard it has with others where they say, put them away, forget you've ever had them, which is just unbelievable to, right. to hear that that happens, but it was unbelievable to have it happen to you. But they don't, and I think here's here's one of the things I want families to understand. I love doctors. I've got a lot of friends who are doctors and have been my friends all my life, but they are men in white coats or women. They've had a lot of education, but that doesn't mean they've been educated about your child. In fact, we had one of them who confessed to us. We had about a half a day about special needs. Well, can you imagine how many special needs there are out there? I mean, you take into effect all of the different things that can go wrong. And to think they have that little knowledge about it yeah. is scary. So, okay, right away, they get a diagnosis. They don't even know what it means. Well, so, yeah, I want to, for everyone out there, just kind of highlight that aspect. So, so what we're saying right now is not about throwing shade to doctors. Doctors are amazing. We're so grateful they're out there. Right. But it's so easy to assume that they know everything because they have that expert label. And I know we talked about this last time you're here too, about, about the parent realizing, wait a second, I get to be an expert too. And you know, what do I already know and learning more? Right. And so, and so, yeah, this is such a good point that you bring, you're bringing up again about the doctors. They don't necessarily know everything. And therefore as a parent, don't discount what you intuitively feel intuitively know what you desire to know more about you go ahead absolutely and that's where i think as a parent i think we're intimidated a lot of times because we're not expecting this to happen in the first place and when it does we're so off guard we we're trying to go through our head with emotions that are just absolutely taking us away from what's happening at the moment sometimes but then we don't realize that we need to maybe go back and start talk to them again or whoever we're referred to if it's a pediatrician which hopefully they're going to get a pediatrician a neurologist somebody that's going to help us understand what happened here what kind of brain damage could have happened and why um, or what can we do about it the question of why things happens and we talked about this, but the why is not going to matter in the long run. That gets us distracted. That makes us start thinking, okay, who's to blame? Right. Well, okay. At this point, it's not going to make that much difference, but what we're going to do about it and what do we need to learn is going to be the most important thing. Then we also have a problem with limited access to healthcare. We have problem finding Who's a doctor that understands what problems we're going through? Is there anybody close that I can be referred to? And, you know, I live in a town of about 100,000. So we don't have doctors that are specialists in everything here. We go out of town for a lot of the specialties. But then on top of that, they don't have knowledge, but they don't even know that there are financial resources that might be available. Now, this is limited, so... That's where the parents are going to have to probably do a little bit of digging to find out, you know, okay, if he has autism, is there some kind of resource? Uh, If they've got cerebral palsy, what's available? And each one's going to have a different platform that you'll probably get the most help for, unless it's something like United Way or you know, something that's like that, that kind of takes in a lot of different things. The other thing in in our town, this would be a big deal. 
the cultural and language barriers. I live in a very military town. We have people from all over the world here. Well, they may not be able to speak the language of, of whoever's there. And if they're given a diagnosis and they don't speak English, they need to be provided someone who can talk and interpret for them and help them get through those barriers, whatever it is, getting information. The fifth thing is the stigma or discrimination. A lot of people are like, oh, wait a minute, what's wrong with that child? Something's wrong with the parents. They don't know how to take care of them. And they really think a lot of the problems that parents are facing with their kids when they have special needs is that the parent doesn't know what to do. Right. They don't know how to take care of them. And you'll hear comments. For instance, a child with autism might just break down in a grocery store because they're hearing the buzzing of fluorescent lights. Uh -huh. You don't even notice it. Right. So they're freaking out. They're going to pieces and they're screaming. They're holding their head. They may be doing a lot of funny movements to other people. But when that happens, it's because they're overstimulated. Well, I've known a parent. She said, what I do is I sit down on the floor. I hold my child and I have a little sign that says, pardon us. My child has autism because otherwise people are walking by going, hmm. That was my child to take them out and spank them or something that's very rude. Right. And what we need to do is as just human beings, yeah. be more sensitive to the fact that there may be somebody having a screaming fit that's got some kind of an internal problem that's not just a behavior problem. And yes, there are kids out of control. Yes, there are parents who are out of control. I hear them screaming ugly things to their children sometimes. And I think... Oh dear, what are these kids going to be like if all they hear is how bad they are and what a rotten child they are or something because they misbehave, but they're misbehaving with a parent screaming louder than them, you know? So anyway, that's another problem. And then the, the other thing is that sometimes they are denied. Okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with your child, which we were told nothing wrong when there was, or they delay the parents don't realize they may deny that their child has a problem. They don't realize that there is. And there that's typical. Okay. I can tell you, even though in my heart, I knew something wasn't right. I didn't want to believe it. And I was in denial, you know, and I would go to church and I would look around and I'd see this little kids holding their head up, moving around, doing things. Mine wasn't doing week after week, month after month. And I was tearing up. But I helped in the nurseries a lot. So I saw kids develop faster, but I still didn't want to admit it. And when I became so ill that I was in the hospital having to be cared for, my mom is the one that took our son first. And then when she did, I was like, well, what are you doing that for? Why are you thinking that there's something wrong? Even though I thought there might have been, there's that denial that's really hard for us to accept the fact yeah. that something's really wrong with our child you know, because we don't want it to be that way. So we sometimes delay even asking for help. So those are some of the biggest things that I think people need to address what's at the root of why we're not going further in this and being able to find the resources that we need. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> I want to go back to, so thank you for sharing all of that. We, I think I'll have you recap the, the five tips um, when we get a little closer to the end of the show, what I, what I want to go back to in this moment is 
uh, earlier at the start, you were talking about, um, and I don't remember the exact thing, but you said something about it took, oh, it took your son three years to learn how to drink through a straw. And um, I can see so many parents or, or yeah, so many parents um, thinking that, you know, maybe just, I should just give up because, you know, it's already been one year and he hasn't gotten this right. Or, or whatever it might be there. And there's no specific time frame because I imagine it's different from all, for all children. Right. So what do you say to that, to the parent who's, who's wondering if they should keep trying? Well, okay. One of the things we didn't understand about that was how important the tongue movements are. And so they were trying things like peanut butter in their mouths to make them, you know, use the tongue on the top of the, the roof of their mouths. Mm -hmm. But there were different textures of things that they were using to try to get them to move the tongue in a way. It was to help a speech. It's not just so they drink out of a straw. It is, it's more than that. And as a speech therapist, they see the progression as a parent. We don't, we don't understand why they're doing what they're doing at the time. They are a lot of times, but that's where I say, ask questions. Why does, why is this important? Why, why do they have yeah. to drink out of a straw? That's, that's what I was. Yeah. That's what I was just going to point out is, is if you don't know why a therapist is doing something as the parent, step in and ask so that you understand and have that wider range of knowing it's not just for this one thing. It's for like 10 more things that they can develop. And there's so many things that can, that can happen in the mouth. You know, babies are born with their tongues tied. They have to go through some surgery to clip them or back in the sides of their mouths that okay. they may be perfectly normal and those things happen. So there's different kinds of things that can go wrong. In fact, I heard somebody say they went through uh, a class to try to help parents. It was another minister's family. And they said, we learned there were over 500 different times things can go wrong from the time of conception to birth that can keep babies from being normal. Well, hello, how fortunate are we when things go right? Yeah. And how many times do we know people say, oh, my child was born with a cord wrapped around his neck. He's okay. But then again, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they have a lot of brain damage from that. And recently I had a friend whose grandbaby was born with a, a knot in the cord so that when he, the cord was wrapped around his neck, it cut off all the oxygen and he was born stillborn. Fine until birth. But then at birth, that happened. And so we just don't, I think we need to be even more grateful when things go right. And we need to be grateful for the things we're discovering that we can make better. Because so many times we don't realize just how many people struggle with an issue that there is an answer, but they don't even know to look for it. And I, I often say, you know, um, as a parent, we don't know a lot of the answers, but we don't know the questions to ask either. So that's why I'm all about, let's educate ourselves. Let's find out what we can learn that's going to help my, my neighbor, my cousin, my relatives, my, you know, somebody that I know at school or whatever, so that we can be kinder and gentler as people look, not looking at the wheelchair, the walkers, the, the problems that we have speaking or being able to communicate, but look beyond that. Look at who I am inside, you know, see me for who I am as a person, not what I look like. And Kim, I had a guy write me about a month ago. And I think it was after that I was on your show 
And he said, why don't we just kill all the babies when they're born and they have special needs problems? Wouldn't what? that the family a lot of a lot of heartache? And I'm like, that's the cruelest thing I've ever heard of. Who does that? I know Nazi Germany did it, but they were they didn't stop there. They didn't stop with people who had disabilities. They kept going until it it's you. And, you know, I don't think people have the uh, capacity sometimes to be compassionate. If that's your thinking, where does that come from? We need to be looking beyond what's there right now and say, what's making us be so um, evil, make, making us hurt people and to do things that are just really painful to somebody else. Why are we doing that? Why aren't we kinder? And so, you know, I look beyond a lot of those things. Yeah. Th thank you. Yeah. So I, first off, I'm sorry that someone did that, uh, especially if it was, I mean, just whatever, no, nonsense. Um, but also I, I'm glad to hear you say that you are able to look past it because I, I get that. I experience that in different ways in my own world. And the one thing I want to say is that, yes, there will always be people who are, and this is, this is just for anybody who can relate to receiving some sort of hate comment or something that's just negative, unpleasant, unwanted, is the more light that gets shown in the world, more people who are teaching others about what they have to teach, more people who are showing up as their authentic selves, it's going to surface up other things that are unwanted. People who are, you know what, they're just not in that same place and it doesn't feel good to them. They don't get it and they want to spew whatever. And those are also the people that at some point have the potential to also move further into their light and grow and evolve. And so I just want to say anybody dealing with any sort of hate comments, uh, the, as much as possible, I'm not saying to ever put yourself in harm. I'm going on my own little thing here for a moment. To, Cheryl, thank you for, yeah, I just, you know, I, don't, you don't ever need to, uh, you know, overextend yourself beyond what feels appropriate in that moment. But as you're able to, if you can just gently send them a loving thought, a kind thought, you know what? They're finding their way. It is in no way, uh, you know, an indication that you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing, that you're not on the right path. Continue to follow those instincts. And Cheryl, you are a big beacon of light for people in the special needs parenting I hope realm. So. I just I, I'm not finding as many people as there could be, and I know when we've gone through problems, uh, we're alone a lot of times. Uh -huh. I told you when our son was assaulted in a group home, we were the only parents upset about what was happening in there when they weren't getting fed right and and they were having seizures, things were being stolen. Why why are other parents? Why aren't other family members outraged? Right. You know, so anyway, I want to change this, though, and go, let's imagine this in a different way now. Let's okay, imagine if every family who had a child with special needs knew about all of those services and the resources that were available to them. How much support and care could these children receive? Number two, imagine if the financial barriers and the limited access to health care Language, cultural barriers were no longer the obstacles for families seeking the early intervention services for their child with special needs. How many more parents or families would find those? And then number three, imagine, now just imagine reducing the stigma 
and the discrimination around special needs, increasing the awareness of why we need this early intervention services and how much better it would be that our kids are getting what they need right away so that they don't, they're not, de they're not delayed in their development near as long because those early first five years are when you're going to grow the most the fastest your brain's developing and if you can train your body by training your mind how to do some of those things wouldn't that be a wonderful world i mean imagine that's my dream this is my dream of helping educate people and helping even in hospitals to understand the urgency of providing care helping families to know okay, here are some options for you. You don't have to be stuck in la-la land and not know what's going on and go home upset and crying and then having to grieve alone and then end up in divorce. And I, I told you before, it's over 90%. Well, that doesn't leave very many families that are able to work it out. I believe it can be worked out. I believe communication can be helped in these families so that they understand each other and they don't just say, oh, he doesn't care like I do. He probably does, but he's, he is showing it in a different way. Right. He just grieves in a different way where none of us can read each other's minds, but I believe that if we could provide help up front, that's where we're going to start seeing this imagination of a better world of being able to solve some of the problems that are out there that Nobody's working on as fast as they should be, at least. But anyway, I've got other suggestions that I will, you know, share with them, too. But I know that you probably got questions that you want to ask me about some of this, too. <laughs> well, I, I love that you open it up to the imagine space because that's helping people to be able to see beyond the problem, see beyond the challenge into what's possible, but also allowing them to step back into their power as, wait a second, you know, I'm, I'm a person, I can create some of this change, right? And yes, it may initially create this conflict in my family. And we also have the possibility of being able to come together, be stronger together, like you were saying, and not only, of course, advocate more for my special, my child, you know, but how can this also strengthen my marriage? How can we be here for each other as we help our child? I love that you're speaking to that, the couple aspect of that too. Well, I've got a, a word I want people to think about. And if you just think about the, I don't know if it's everywhere anymore, but in our town, it closed years ago. Sears. Think about that word. S-E-A-R-S. -S. I'm going to give you something you can do and anybody can do that can make this better. Okay. okay. So here we go. First of all, you can be a service seeker. You're the one that's going to go help find out what's available, what resources are there. Number two, you can be an early engager. You're out there trying to help families find early intervention services. What's there? How can we have better outcomes? What's, what's going to provide that? Number three, you can be an advocate alert. Get out there and start telling people, hey, this is a problem. I bet our schools need a lot of attention in providing more help, volunteers, or a second person in a classroom where they've got special needs kids that may have to be taken to a bathroom and help them with that, may have diapers, may need to be fed, you know, might need a lot of other things. Be an advocate, an advocate alert that, and help people understand their rights and their needs. 
a lot of parents do not understand their rights. They don't know that they have the right to get some of this help. So be an advocate alert. What I want to stop there for a moment. What's the first step for a person, for a parent who wants to advocate for their rights in the school? What's the first step? The first one is learn your rights and then go prepared. And what I did when when we moved from one place to the other, I went to the superintendent because we were in a tiny community that had a bus that was handicapped accessible. Four kids rode that bus and it cost three thousand dollars for them to change that bus. Oh, I go to a town, 28,000. I go in, they don't have busing. They don't have any of the therapies for our kids. And I go to the superintendent and I go, you know, we need bus. We need speech therapy, occupational therapy, and physical therapy. And he's like, what? Do you know how much it's going to cost the school for your one child to have a bus to ride? Oh, and he God. started at 6,000 for one, that one bus. And my child was the only one that's going to need it as far as he's concerned. I knew okay, so, so where do parents go? Where do parents go to learn their rights? Okay, there are places online, but anytime you are talking to any service, they have a booklet that is you're supposed to sign a paper saying you've got the rights to understand what your children's rights are. You get a booklet. And that is provided in the schools, but it's provided with therapists. It's provided in counseling services. Like in a community, they have to have somebody oversee to make sure once somebody's diagnosed and they know they're going to need services, they're supposed to go visit them and make sure that the home is okay, that they've got you know wheelchair accessibility, that the bathroom's got doors wide enough or whatever. You know, There's a lot of things, but those booklets are given to us every single year. But a lot of people never read them. What so, what what booklets? Where do they get these from? Well, that's what I'm saying. Anybody that's going to help them would have it, but it's probably okay. online too. So, like a ther- like a therapist, just ask your therapist for a therapist. Yeah, a doctor. There are all. Okay. Uh, it, it should be everywhere that they can find it. But the schools and the counselors and the the people that are over any kind of administration of services that deals with special needs has always got to give them a booklet. Have you ever heard of IEP meetings? That's Mm -hmm. an individual education placement. It's to try to help all of the people involved in one child's uh, life for that year to come together and to see what kind of goals that they set. Well, for a parent, you sit across the room sometimes from about 14 people looking at you trying to figure out how can we get away with not providing everything because they're looking at the bottom line, the dollar. Right. And you're thinking, but my child needs this. And you'll have them come up with the same thing year after year. I mean, Kim, if I could have gone back and been a different mom, I would have said, no, you can't keep teaching him time and money. It's not going to make any difference. But we spend every year. That was a goal. Or every year, brush his teeth. Every year, something very tiny, a whole year of of those kind of things that Okay, yeah, maybe some of that's important, but there are other things that we're just neglecting. And that's why I've written a booklet on find the hidden treasures in your child. Find out what they're missing that they aren't even looking for. You know it, but they don't think you know much. So you've got to be his advocate. You've got to be the partner. You've got to say, wait just a minute. I want to know what kind of services my child could be getting. 
And if you don't know and you're in charge, you'll find out. Because if you don't want to find out, there's somebody higher than them that you can go to to say, I'm not getting served like I should. But every state has got different ways of handling this. And that's why it's important to know, get online, see what your state offers, and then go to your local community and say, what services are available? Who can I go ask what services I have the right to? They're there, but we have to, as parents, we're going to have to be the searchers. But if you are a friend, a neighbor, or, or somebody, you can be that searcher and you can be that advocate for them. The fourth thing I want to tell you is to be the resource researcher, which goes right along with what you ask, because they're the ones that are going to help other parents also find out what their needs are. And then the fifth thing, and this is S-E-A-R-S, but support seeker, seek out and help build that supportive network, families that also have that uh have a child in the same area of needing support because the first thing that first people we really learned much from was a couple that we saw a lady leaving the little school that we'd moved across country to go to. And we saw her pushing a little boy and we thought he looks a lot like our son. And we went over and said, can we talk to you? Can we ask you some questions? And she said, well, sure. Why don't y'all come to our house? Aww. We went to their house to eat. We became good friends, but it's because his, their child was a little bit older. They'd already gotten some help. And we just had so much fun getting to know and watch them and see what do they do? How did they do that? How did they teach him how to hold a fork or, or spoon or, or how did they get him to talk you know, or to say a word or something? Our parents, other parents are going to be your good supporters, but they don't have all the answers either. So we need people that care that are providing something that they can share with us. I love that. So <clears throat> definitely parents networking together so they can learn from each other and be each other's advocate. And I, what I'm hearing is like a very, I was going to use the word underground, but it's not underground, but the, at the grassroots level of you all coming together and growing that knowledge base that the experts don't yet know themselves. And what a beautiful force you guys are becoming to provide evidence that the experts need to know this information too. So I love that you're doing that. And I know you're doing a lot more to educate families globally right now. And I want to just make sure everyone knows you, you just shared, you have a pamphlet and um, I'm going to go ahead and put your website up on the screen here. Right. So it, can they get that pamphlet at your website? Absolutely. In fact, there's several things on there and I write a little blog and every time I think of it, I'm putting on something else on there. And, I, you know, it's a lot of free information. And I'm, I'm about to just start meeting with families just to say, let's just get together and you ask questions. Let's see what questions you've got. And I'll help you find which way are we going to go to solve these problems? Because I know people don't know where to go a lot of times. So if we can just visit, in fact, if they want to on Friday at four o'clock, if they want to get on my my uh, website on there and just say, uh, there's a link on there for, for getting in touch with me and just say, I want to meet, I want to know what's going on. And we'll just start meeting and saying, you know, I love the fact that sometimes people just answer questions, just visit, 
What do you need? Okay, let's talk about that. And then be able to have an open discussion and not just get online and only talk to parents that are on there. And no, you can't tell who you are. You don't know who you are, who can help with answering questions. I want it to be more open where people can say, I'm struggling. Okay, well, let's see. What do you need? Let's see if we can find the right person that can help you and not make it so secretive, but provide links to things. And if, and you know what else? Kim, in my on my website, I put a page that nobody's activated yet, but I know parents are some of the best people at inventing things that solve a problem their child has. I want them to put it on there. I want them to say, here's what I discovered helped my child, and here's what I did. They may have made it, or they may have decided this is what I needed and got somebody to help them, or it may be something that they found on Amazon. Like there's a wonderful cup we didn't know about till he was 41 years old that he could hold for the first time in his life wow. to get a drink by himself when he wanted it instead of waiting for somebody to say, do you want a drink? Right. Oh my anything, gosh. Anything like that. You know, so, this table, it works. You know, I found this tray. It's awesome. I found this straw. Oh my goodness. It solved a problem we had, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure. So for all of our podcast replay listeners, I want to make sure you know Cheryl's website. So it is Cheryl-Coaches.com. And I'm going to spell that out. It's C-H-E-R-Y-L hyphen or dash C-O-A-C-H-E-S.com. Cheryl-Coaches.com. And Cheryl, I love that. So you're, you're talking about putting like a directory together of all these resources yeah that are helpful to people. And I, I agree. I also know, um, there's one, one family in particular with a special needs child that I used to work with who, um, they're just like you, they're go-getters. They're making all the changes and stuff because no one else did. No one else knew what they knew. And they said, enough is enough. There needs to be better help, better resources out there because this it's, yeah. So, and you know, there are, there are lots of dads that are involved in these kids. And I've known moms who walked away from them just like some dads have. And it, it breaks my heart. I have been around so many of these children who have no one to ever visit, to see about them, to see if they need a piece of clothing or, you know, if there's anything there or just to visit with them to brighten their day or anything. It's time for us to come together and say, how can we help bridge that gap? And the divorce rate is so high but I tell you what, no life is without problems. We've been married 57 years in August. I can tell you, it hasn't been with no problems. In fact, we've had so many problems. The publisher said, I've never known anybody that had more problems. But we learned to work things out. The answers are not always easy to find, but we didn't give up. And that's one of the things that I'm, I would say to parents. In fact, let me give you my five tips that I promised to do. Okay. <laughs> I, I love it. You, cause you've already given like 20. <laughs> I know, but I'm going to give you five that are going to help right now. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Go. All right. First thing is I want parents to learn to speak up, get your bold voice, be bold, ask for what you need, ask for what you don't understand. Tell them, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean cerebral palsy? I don't even know what that word is. Be bold. I know what my child needs, or I don't understand what my child needs, but I need to know. You are the only one that's going to answer that. Just like the little quote you had to begin with, 
that mom, if you aren't going to look after that child, who is? Yeah. Who is going to speak up for them? Okay. Then the next thing is I want you to quit living and thinking, oh, why did this happen to me? Quit that. It doesn't matter. Live one day at a time. Quit looking backward and quit looking at, oh, is he ever going to walk? Is he ever going to marry? Is he ever going to, you know, because those drive us crazy. They make us depressed. Those things don't help us. So what we need to do is focus right now. What do they need right now? What can I do that'll help them either hold a spoon better and or learn to say a word? You know, don't give them a drink until they can work on getting some of those words out. That's a hard thing to do. I had to do it. It was hard, but you have to do it. Then A is attitude. Make sure you know only you can change your attitude. I was talking to a guy yesterday about anger, how to help people with anger. And he said, you can control it. You don't have to be angry. You just need to learn. It's not out there. And I saw a quote years ago that said, happiness is a state of mind, not circumstances. So it doesn't matter. Oh, if, if I only get to where I can date, Oh, if I can only get to Christmas, if I can only get it, those are circumstances. They don't have anything to do with your attitude today. Get to today and focus on how you can make today a good day. And then Kay, you, you search that knowledge. I, I want to add, I, I want to add that our attitude can recreate our circumstances. So if right. we're wondering why this the, shifting the mindset and attitude about it can recreate it. It's so I love that, Kim. You're absolutely right. Our attitude is everything on there. And then whatever you don't know, you find out yeah. that's your, that's your, your responsibility. It isn't a responsibility of the teacher or a doctor to tell you everything you need to know. You've got to start saying, okay, I've got to write down this question. I'm going to ask. And when I get there, write down the answer, take your, don't think I'm going to remember when I get there. Cause you won't, you'll walk out the door and go, Oh, I meant to ask them something, you know, cause we all forget. And then the last thing is don't give up, be an encourager of other people, encourage them to do the best they can encourage your child to do whatever they can. Don't do everything for them. Even if it's hard, if you don't let them learn to grow and work out, okay, they failed that day. So what didn't you fail a few times in your life? That's when you learned what to do different. And so those are things that I would say, those are going to make a difference in your life. It really, really will. I love being here with you. Oh, this I love having fun. you on here, Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl, I want to, I want to share a, a comment we had from a live viewer today. Betty is saying, I admire your sensitivity towards persons with disabilities. We need more people oh. like you. Oh, how sweet. Thank you, Betty. I agree with that. And uh, yeah, Cheryl, th oh, let's put, okay. So uh, let me share with everyone your, uh, you have, in addition to the booklet that Cheryl mentioned earlier, she also has a book that you can purchase. So it's called, it takes courage to be a caregiver answers and tips for caregivers of parents, special needs, and others. And that I believe is on Amazon and they can also get to, to it from your website as well. Correct. Correct. Uh-huh. Okay. And we'll just put that back and on the screen. a free booklet that if they wanted about finding the hidden treasures in their child's life. And then there's another one that, um, that is on there that is to help parents. If, if you're caring for your parents, when the roles change to try to help you too, because I, I was doing both. 
I was helping parents oh and my, my son at the same time. So, you know, we don't live in daytime or little, little compartments where we can say, I only take care of this problem. Right. No, right. we have multitudes at the same time, but we can do it if we just don't give up. Cheryl, I want to ask you, um, this answer might be obvious, but I want to see what your answer is. What motivates you to keep going and, and do all this advocacy and everything that you're doing? I mean, I know you have more in the works. Well, I think my love, uh, well, I know God loves me and that he's been with me all this time. And I know that in our family, we are committed to each other and committed to our son. And we're seeing that people are not committed and it breaks my heart. I want people to be committed to take care of each other. If it's within your family, if it's somebody, you know, whatever, I, that commitment is what's missing. People just throw away whatever relationship they've got. And then to, to know that their answers, we're just not solving. And it's taken me, okay, all these years I've been thinking about this and I've finally got to the point I realized some of these problems have been there all along and we're not seeing them. And I'm working on going even, even further with this. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> I've got a plan in mind that I'm just so excited about. And it's like people are coming into my life right now that are going to help me get that to the point where we're going to get it fulfilled. So, I mean, there's, there's so many ways people can solve problems, but if we don't look, we won't find, you know, so. I love people and I love my son and he has brought lots of joy to our lives. And yes, we've been there when times were so tough, we were doing nothing but crying and thinking, what are we going to do? Why would anybody hit our son like that? Or why would, why can't we get what we need? Why can't we just get help in the house a little bit? And you're too old, too young, too rich, too poor. You know, there's all these barriers that keep us from getting what we need. It's time to break them down. If we can do things for people that don't live in our country, we can do it for people that live in our country. Amen. <laughs> oh, that's a mic drop comment right there. Uh, Cheryl, and I, I also want to add is rather than saying, uh, you know, what's coming to mind is you were talking about like, you know, why me and all this kind of stuff. Um, as a coach, you know, one of the things we're taught is to ask more what questions is to not ask why, but some people are going to be like, well, why not ask why? We just said why earlier, right? Like, why are you doing this as the therapist to your child? So what I want to say is the questions that you ask are you focused on the solution or the problem? So if you ask why, say, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to go back to what, what, yeah. What is the solution? Not what, you know, uh, what's well, I was making this why in terms of negative, of <laughs> trying to go where people don't need to go. Don't need to, you don't need to worry about some of those things. You can't change it. Right. Right. Anyway, but I was, yeah. The solution. <laughs> there we go. I was fumbling with that explanation, but you get the gist. So exactly. Okay. Cheryl, thank you so much for being here. Um, we are about to close out this show. Um, you've shared so much, but do you have any final words that you'd like to add before I put you back in the lobby? If, if anybody's interested in connecting with me and you've got an idea that you think would help, let's see what we can do. Maybe we can make a page on the website you know, tag it and let people go there and have a place that they can say, this is a source, a resource. I know I can go there and get an answer if I need to have a question. That's such a wonderful Let's offer. Okay. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Okay. Well, Cheryl, I, I'm just going to close out the show and I'll see you again in a moment and I'm going to put you back in the lobby. So thank you again to Cheryl. Say goodbye to Cheryl, everybody. Um, <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you for having me back, Kim. I, I loved it. Absolutely. You're welcome.
Okay. Oh, that is our show for today. Five more tips, please. It was more like, I don't know, 30 more tips at this point. 30 more tips with Cheryl Jennings about special needs parenting. Um, but she shared so much that I really believe is relevant for all parents. It's relevant for all people, right? It's not even about, do you have a special needs child? It's about the people who are observing and witnessing other people with special needs children in the world. How can we be more understanding, more, more accepting, more um, comforting, right? I love the example Cheryl gave about the mother in, in a grocery store, her child's breaking down and she sits down on the floor with her child and props up a sign. My child has autism. You know, I love that being strong for yourself and others. And uh, oh my God, love it. Let us know what you're taking away from today's conversation, wherever you listened, whether it be YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, any of the podcast platforms. So grateful to have you here. Remember that every day is always a new day. Always. Wherever you are today does not have to be where you are tomorrow. And I shared a post just yesterday. I want to reference really quickly. It was less than a hundred years ago, less than a hundred years ago that the world, or maybe it's just the U.S. I'm referencing here, but was going through, yeah, when the Great Depression took place. And here we are less than 100 years later, and we're going through the Great Awakening. And the Great Awakening is filled with these people coming to light, sharing what they know, creating change, looking for the solutions, putting them into place. And so just let that be a reminder. If you feel like you're not seeing the change happen on that small, minute level, it's happening at the grander scheme of things. And uh, I feel like Cheryl is a great example of that for all that she's been able to do for her son. If you, again, if you did not listen to our last conversation, she shared how her son is also an artist and was able to sell out his art in, uh, in a gallery where they live. And, you know, just the, the possibilities truly are infinite. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you cannot do something, that something is not possible. If you see the possibility, it is possible you are somebody. You can create that change. Have an amazing day. I'll see you all again very soon with another show. Have an amazing day.